podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show and the start of our brand new fantasy adventure. Yep, we are getting into the fantasy game, ladies and gents. FFS is born and we are very excited about getting into this space with our friends at DraftKings. We're going to be dropping shows all through this season and we are going to be getting you set whether you play daily fantasy, whether you're part of a dynasty league, whether you're just in a standard redraft whatever your poison and frankly if you don't even play fantasy and you just want to hear more football chat well you are in the right place for it this is our kickoff episode and so we figured it's a good opportunity to meet the newest recruit the newest face the newest all pro member of the nc show roster he's an old friend of mine a very funny man and crucially an absolute fantasy genius ladies and gents let's meet the brilliant James Sandrini. Now, gang, you can forget Tyreek Hill to the Finns. I do not want to hear about Russell Wilson to Denver. Von Miller to Buffalo, I'm not interested. There is no doubt about it. The biggest signing of this offseason, right here, right now, James Sandrini to the NC Show franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for our newest all-pro recruit. How are you, bud? Mr. Coombs, I am psyched. I'm hyped just with that intro. Well, I wanted to hype you up because rightly so, because on this show, we obviously have uh, all kinds of experts dropping in different kinds of different kinds of things. And as well, we have Propo on our intro. <laughs> our- <laughs> no, we love Propo. All across the board, whether it's college football, we've got Ben Isaacs, Ollie, of course, giving you the edge on Edge Rush, Iron Mike, vintage legend. Uh, all kinds of sharp stuff coming through. And we're adding to the family, adding to the mix, because I think it's fair to say, and you you and I have known each other a fair while, it's fair to call you a a fantasy guru, isn't it? Are you a guru status fantasy-wise? I think, you know, in life you have a series of passions and you choose which one that allow you to be a degenerate. And I think fantasy is probably one of mine. So, yeah, I'll take it. That's a, that's a nice way to play it. Uh, well, congratulations for dropping degenerate into the first 60 seconds of your debut appearance. Fine work there. <laughs> we are going to be rolling this all week long through, or week long, or season long, every week through, uh, through the 2022 season, a brand new fantasy show. Courtesy of our friends at DraftKings, we've got all kinds of amazing competitions lined up. We're going to be, uh, for example, launching an an NC show daily fantasy league, uh, which you can be part of. And the whole point of daily fantasy, of course, you can drop in through the season. Uh, We're going to be giving away tickets to Broncos Jags at Wembley. If you're a member of that league and details, we'll be announcing them soon, pushing out on social at the NC show, Facebook, Insta, uh, still on a TikTok. Uh, we will be uh, dropping details of the, the listener league, how you get involved, all kinds of goodness there. So really looking forward, uh, really looking forward to that. Let's get down on this episode, our first episode, to some basics. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about draft strategy. We're going to talk about the different types of fantasy games that there are. But first things first, before we get to any of that, any of that detail, Let's find out a little bit more about you, James Sandrini. So our listeners want to know more about the man, the myth, the legend, the guru that is James Sandrini. So I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions and you're going to help paint the Sandrini picture. How does that sound? Let's do it. 
All right, you ready? You set? Okay. Yeah, ready. What What was the era that you fell in love with the NFL? You were, you're not an 80s child. So when did the penny first drop for you? I think my story is, is not uncommon. Uh, you know, I rejected sleep in favor for sport when I was turning <laughs> in my uh, late teens, early 20s. And, you know, that coincided with the greatest show on turf, you know, the 2000s, that, that nascent era for offensive football, really, uh, in the NFL. And I, I was actually a baseball guy before I was an NFL guy. Mm. That got me into reading, you know, USA Today and looking at box scores and reading analysis. And I think that, you know, started to divert me more towards American sport in general. Do you know my favorite part of USA Today is, uh, I don't know if they still do it, because I was the same, like you could buy, USA Today was of course, one of the few things early on that you could buy at Smith's, right? That would give you some kind of American football editorial and American sports editorial, but the rest of the paper is great. <laughs> do you remember that yeah. page where they just have those really quirky stories, like mini paragraphs of weird and wonderful stories from all around America? Yeah, and look, I think uh, at that time as well, you wanted value for money in your paper. So you were going to read the whole thing. So for me, you know, I might check the box scores. I started looking at the NFL and that it just, it spurred something in me when I started to understand the game. It's not the easiest game to get a grasp of, I think for a UK audience in particular, but you know, very quickly when I started to get a handle on some of the players and some of the, the moments that were happening during that era, you know, I remember during that season, T.O. got 20 catches. We're talking about Mm. peak Marshall Falk era. You know, it was quite easy to fall in love with the game. And then in the Super Bowl, you had the, the longest yard, Kevin Dyson's catch yard from the, from the end zone. And, 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 you know, I was hooked around that time. And so where did fantasy come into the mix? Good question. Um, I think fantasy gives people a chance. <laughs> that, that's 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, for me, it was a, a case of understanding the game in more detail. This is about six, seven years ago when I started this game to redraft. You know, you want to immerse yourself with more of these like-minded souls. You want to share some stories. You want to share some passion with people. And that's really where it came from, that kind of camaraderie in it. It just built from there. Yeah. So there are, and I know this uh, well from, from chatting to you uh, and playing fantasy with you. And this is something that we'll establish straight off the bat. And uh, we will have a lot of fun off uh, a lot of fun with throughout the season that James, uh, uh, the reason he's on the show outside of being a stand-up guy and a very funny guy. And definitely one of us gang is uh, he is a real fantasy sharp. Me on the other hand, <laughs> not, not so much. So there is quite a yin and yang thing going on. I'm hoping, uh, hoping to get better at fantasy by playing uh, and working with you. And uh, that is very much what we're hoping listeners out there as well. There are going to be many of you who uh, ace your leagues. You're always in contention and great. Cause you'll get that extra edge, extra bit of sharp by listening to James. We plenty of you like me who are mm, the Cleveland Browns or your respective fantasy leagues, a perennial Detroit lions kind of vibe. Uh, you can get better. And for those of you out there not into fantasy, this much like our edge rush show is going to be a show where we talk football. So even if you don't play fantasy, uh, this is something you can listen to uh, and enjoy uh, irrespective. All right. So back to your quick fire. Favorite all-time player? Tough choice. I'm going to pick two Troys. I'm going to go Troy Brown, you know, lifelong Pat. He was an eighth-round pick. He was waved on his way. I don't think he even played a full season for the Pats in the first half of, well, I say first half of his career, first half of a normal player's career, sort of five, six years. He played receiver. He played cornerback. He played safety. He played QB in a preseason game once. (laughs) Troy Brown's one. The other is Troy Polamalu. You know, certainly the era that I was really starting to fall in love with the game. Explosive. It, almost like a duplicitous human, right? Like one side, you've got this explosive hitting machine who you'd never <laughs> want to face over the middle. And then the other side, this like really soft demeanor, great respect for his opponents. It's, it's tough to pick between those two. So I'm going to, I'm going to have my two Troys. Two great choices. Uh, two great choices. Troy Aikman uh, is standing over there, just 
absolutely in in bits. He's in bits that when he when he opened up with "I'm going to Troy's," he was okay. I'll be. Well, I'm in. Uh, he, he had his triplets, and he's just not one of these, right? <laughs> Fair. Are you Jason Street or Tim Riggins? I don't know anyone who would say street with a straight face. I think you have to go to Team Red. <laughs> I'm Matt Saracen all the way. No, yeah. I'm definitely smash. I'm definitely smash. <laughs> anyone out there, NC Show, that would would go street over Riggins? I wonder if Propo, Propo in the house, Propo, would you go? Actually, Propo, have you watched Friday Night Lights? No. You said Friday Night Lights, that's on your list of things to, to watch as well. Have you never watched Friday Night Lights? You I've never. I watched the first episode until it was too cheesy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember you say that. Yeah, I've said that before on the show. Uh, yeah, well, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to you. All right. Uh, <laughs> is Eli Manning, uh, James, Eli Manning, is he a Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of quite good. I think that much Ooh. is clear. But Ooh. I think when you look at, look, I have a high bar for Hall of Fame. Like, as I said, I, I'm a baseball guy by trade. You know, talk about only a few guys getting in each year. And I think the challenge I would have with Eli is in which season statistically throughout the regular season, did he wow? And was he one of the top three, four, five at his position? He never had more than 35 touchdowns in a season. He never had more than, you know, four and a half thousand passing yards once, I think um, not a great touchdown to interception ratio. Yes. He won two Super Bowls and that's obviously the argument, but if you take those away, I still think you need to be a, a statistically high end producer to be in that elite company. Mm, yeah, you know where I go on this one, man. I totally, totally disagree with that. But a fine what, argument. What is it for you? What is it for you that gets him as the Hall of Fame? Not just the Super Bowl. Bowl. I think people fixate on the games themselves, as in the Super Bowls themselves, and obviously the Tyree catch, which I, I think should get him into the Hall of Fame, uh, irrespective of anything else. I'm a believer that one clutch play, uh, if it's going to set up a Super Bowl win. No, but in all seriousness, people obsess on those two games. It's the playoff runs. It's the it's the clutch mentality on the road, outsiders going into the playoffs both times. And he was solid throughout those, throughout both playoff runs, not just uh, within in the Super Bowl. So I think I, I do feel that body of work combined with, yeah, okay, a solid, if I'm remarkable, pro career it should be uh, not a, a no-brainer, not necessarily even a first ballot, but he, he's over the line for me. For where, the, would you for put, where would you put him against a Philip Rivers? Against mm, it's tricky. Well, Roethlisberger... Again, Roethlisberger, you know, I, I know that there is an obsession with the rings, obsession with championships and uh, as, a, as a Marino, uh, uh, you know, a Marino store. And uh, and obviously, if we're talking about how we got into the game, Marino was the reason I got into the game. Like, of course, it isn't as clear cut as well. Rings are everything or rings are hugely significant. But Roethlisberger's case and Eli Manning's case, I think they are. And Roethlisberger, maybe it's a, maybe a little bit different because you look at the first ring and his contribution within that, I think it's different to the contribution that Eli Manning had within those two championship winning giant sides. So I think it extends beyond, beyond the, the championship specifically. And the flip side, I guess, Rivers overall statistically throughout his career, even in, t- in terms of intangibles throughout much of their respective careers, sure. Yeah, a better player, better quarterback than Eli, but without the championships on the fence. They're all in the same kind of space, but I would have Eli and Ben in there. Rivers, I don't know, I haven't worked that out. And Matt Ryan, well, he's going to win the Super Bowl this year, so that'll, <laughs> that'll settle that. Uh, all right, coach, you'd rather have James Sandrini, Urban Meyer or Adam Gase. If you have to, you've just bought a franchise, you just bought well, Washington off Dan Snyder, and you have to pick one of those guys. I mean, we know who Dan Snyder would pick, I guess, but... We do? Uh, he, oh, he'd definitely go Maya, wouldn't he? I think he'd go Maya. And you know what? I'll go Maya only because it's a more exciting run and uh, I live for the roller coaster. Gase, mm. you just know 
that you're entering this depressing spiral. Um, so I'll go my own case. Do you think that having a beer after the game, you'd assume that Maya, particularly after the infamous Cincy beer game last season, was pretty much the beginning of the end for him in Jacksonville. Do you, you it's the assumption is he'd be more of a laugh on a night out? But I reckon Adam Gase might be one of those ultra intense people that let, just lets it go when, it, when you're having a few with him. You have to assume he's got a dry sense of humour, Adam Gase, at this point in his career. Like he's heard everything <laughs> along the way. Maya, Maya might still take himself seriously. He's probably a few years away from a true humbling and, and coming to Jesus again for him. So yeah, you might be right there. Going for a beer, different story. Let's go, Gase. Dark horse team for this season. And to give you a bit of context, I know you're a, a, a long-time listener of the show, right, James? So <laughs> you will know that both uh, Greg Rosenthal and Shane Vereen and my good self, all three of us have picked the Saints as a, as our dark horse this year. So that gives you, I guess, a bit of context in, in terms of what we're defining as a dark horse, a team that isn't, you know, Buffalo, the Rams, teams, the Bucks, teams that as people are saying are going to gonna certainly be in the mix. More so teams that are in that bubble of, oh, they could go eight and nine or they could go on a bit of a tear and suddenly find themselves right in it. So who's your dark horse? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick a couple again. I, I think the Eagles, for me, when we look at the NFC, there's two divisions there that are really up for grabs. I don't think Dallas is dominating the East this year. I think the Eagles have an early season schedule that's very favorable. Uh, that division isn't as strong as, as it has been in years past. Their O-line is great. That D is still good. They've got offensive skill players. And in Jalen Hurts, with A.J. Brown now by his side, you know, we know they're good time, good long-time friends. Uh, you know, I think there could be something there that gets them through, as you said, into that kind of like 10 and 7 range, which might be enough there, at least to get them in the playoffs. And then the other one, and I'll throw this out there, you mentioned them before, and they've obviously been a, uh, the wooden spoon of, of the NFL for a long time. But I think this is the year where we might see the Lions surprise a few mm. people. Around 500, um, again, you know, I really like their skill position players. I think that they've built the right way, O-line out. Uh, the defense is, is coming along. And you know, they've got a coach that clearly galvanizes the, the squad. So again, in a weaker division, could they surprise? Maybe it's a year too early, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if they at least dented some of the other NFC title holders, sorry, title hopefuls, hopes along the way. You know, that is a really interesting pick and, and I'm seeing a, a fair amount of understated buzz, if that's not a complete contradiction in terms, but just a bit of chatter, much like you've just dropped from people who are sharp minds know their football about the Lions. And I would, I would, uh, to paraphrase the great Kevin Keegan, I would love it if Jared Goff <laughs> had a bad spot. Hey, propo Jared Goff for comeback player of the year. I think we've got to drop that into our next edge rush. Uh, I don't think we do. I think there's actually zero chance of that happening. Zero chance. Out. There's zero chance. I would say there's a zero percent chance. If you offered me odds of 500 to one, I wouldn't take them. Wow. I want to find, I want to look yeah. at the book on comeback player of the year. We are going to, we're definitely dropping that into the next edge rush, which is coming soon. Incidentally, gangster, uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled, but that's some good stuff in the vault as well. If you haven't listened to Shane Vereen, who is going to be a regular in uh, to the next season, uh, he was brilliant. Looking at uh, running backs in particular, well, obviously, given how proficient he was in the position. So he was a running back special with Shane. That's in the vault. Iron Mike uh, back in business, bringing his usual goodness. Greg Rosenthal as well. In the last month, all three heavyweights. Uh, go check the vault out at uh, the NC show, or the Nakun show. Uh, all good podcatchers, you know the drill by now. Last one for you, James. And then we'll talk, talk a bit of fantasy, seeing as this is a fantasy show. Hey, by the way, FFS. Uh, credit to you for that. Fantasy football sharps. Uh, but I don't think we've necessarily got as far as uh, that. We just like the FFS 
vibe, right? But you take uh, not even 99% of the credit, 100% of the credit for the name. Matt, you, you've been my muse for a while, so I think it's a shared shared win there. And yeah, like if you want to interpret it as fantasy football sharps, cool, let's stick with it. Well, we could put that out though. I think we could put that out there. What should it be? <laughs> We're going a lot of fun with that. Uh, at the NC show, FFS, what should it stand for? We think it's fantasy football sharps, but you might have a better <laughs> better idea. Uh, give us your worst. Right, last one, then we'll talk fantasy. Uh, long weekend, you got a long weekend with, um, incidentally, either Adam Gaze or Urban Meyer. <laughs> you can go to New York, you can go to LA, or you can go to Vegas. Where does James Sandrini go? Great question. I think the last weekend of my life is going to be in Vegas. So I'll save that for another conversation. But I think, I think. What I'll do we get? You're like a leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> staying in Las Vegas. I think that's the problem. That, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll go East Coast. I feel like, uh, you know, East Coast makes you tough and West Coast keeps you calm. And I, I probably need a bit more tough in my life. So I'll go East Coast with, with Adam Gase, obviously, over beers. Oh, definitely. Which I think it will be an underrated evening. All right. Uh, love that. And I feel it's a good snapshot, a good intro into the psyche, into the, certainly that last answer, uh, into the mindset. Uh, of of James Santrini. But of course, it, it is all about the fantasy. And first things first, let's tee up all the options out there. Because if you're new or a casual fantasy player, like a roped into a league and you're one of those guys that drafts and then your team's crap uh, after two weeks. This is a story from the, my, own, <laughs> my own experience. You're, you're crap after two, three weeks, so you kind of check out, right? You've got, so you might have lapsed or casual fans out there. Uh, or those that are kind of familiar with daily fantasy as a format, but haven't really rolled the dice with it yet. Just paint the pictures. Dynasty, there's standard, there's daily fantasy. So just talk us through the different options, uh, the different fantasy pleasures that are out there. Yeah, let's let's start framing them around the level of commitment that mm. anyone wants to have and how they like to play the game. So I think the easiest entry point for everyone is daily fantasy. You know, you can just start fresh every week. You can learn the game really quickly. You can pick it up and put it down during the course of the season. You're not bound by anything. You can play on your own. You don't need to have a lot of pals that are into the game. So I think that that's a really good entry point for people. And, you know, I think people who love fantasy still play daily. You know, I think it is one of those fundamentals for someone who's in the game because you're looking for an edge, right, in, in whatever game you play. And, you know, daily is as good a place as any to find out on a week-to-week basis. Uh, it, it means it's harder for the powers that be, Vegas or otherwise, to determine the lines. You know, we know that um, there's a lot of opportunity there for, for players. Redraft is where things start to get a little bit more tactical. You know, you're, you're taking a team or building a team for the entire season. It's aligned with the NFL schedule. You know, you, you go from September through to uh, playoffs being played in, in December and into January. Uh, you can have trades. You can interact more with your with your league mates, you know, it's a bit more strategic, but it's more time consuming as, as, as well. You've got waivers to, to navigate. So I think, you know, for someone who's, who's played daily, who's looking for that next step and something that's really going to test them over the course of a season where they want to really chart how players develop uh, over a year, redraft's great. Uh, so redraft, just on, just on redraft, just to jump in there. So uh, again, as you said with daily, you could hop on and we're going to have, a, 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 as I mentioned earlier on, an NC show league so you can get involved with that. But you can just dive in and jump in, jump off whenever you want. With the redraft league, uh, and we're also going to do, uh, I think, Ola and I were talking about this earlier, we're going to do uh, an NC show league as well. And we'll all be in that. We'll get Ben in it, Mike Kate's fantasy, so there's no, <laughs> no way we're going to get him involved. Uh, but we'll get uh, some of the, the regulars in the mix and then uh, run a competition on social to, to win spots in that league as well. So we'll have a bit of fun with that. But if you don't get into that league or, or, you know, or don't want to get into that league, uh, you can set up a league with your mates, but you can also just join other leagues uh, as well, right? So it, it, all the major platforms like ESPN, NFL, they all have 
fantasy leagues that you can join or get a couple of your mates. You don't have to necessarily put together a 10, 12 team league to do it, right? It's very easy access. Yeah, 100%. And, and look, there's a wonderful community of people of people out there that love the game uh, that are in leagues now looking for more people to play. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that's a great way for someone to start building a community of people, particularly if you're really into the game uh, and, and perhaps you don't have that many people around you that are. Go into one of those leagues, start meeting those people, have conversations and see what comes of it. And you may indeed be starting new leagues with them down the line. Okay, so I cut you off. Uh, you talk daily. You talk, I get, you get used to that, but by the way, talk daily, talk redraft. I think I think I know where you were going. Dynasty, right? Well, you know, I'm going to throw best ball in the mix first. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's somewhere between redraft and daily. Uh, it's great if you love drafting. You know, if drafting's the thing that really excites you, and I'll be honest, like it's one of the things that really excites me. Best ball's great. You put together a team before the season. That team just plays out. You don't trade. There's no waivers. There's no lineup selection. You could have 50 teams, 100 teams, and you'd have to do no more work. And I think for someone like myself, who's very keen to to stay in touch with the league throughout the year. You know, there are best ball leagues that are drafting in May, June, July, when it's pretty hard to pick up a redraft league around that time. So mm. best ball is a great kind of middle ground for people between redraft and daily. Um, but yeah, look, I think for me, you know, in terms of where this all ends up, it's into dynasty and, and variations on dynasty leagues, including things like Devi, where you are uh, in control of players as they come out of college straight into league. But dynasty basically being a format where you carry over players year to year. You're trying to build a squad in the same vein as the NFL uh, franchises are and, and and for me I think the majority of players like formats that mirror the game you know if you've come from the game and that's what's really excited you you want to have your own version of that that's what fantasy is all about right being able to put yourself in the seat of a GM or a coach uh, and, and that's where Dynasty comes into play what kind of GM slash coach because obviously you're, you're controlling your you know Belichickian style you, you're doing but what kind of you who do you try and uh, whose style do you try and mirror when you're putting your teams together and imagining and role-playing? Are you kind of old-school Ditka and Singletary kind of vibes? Do you feel you're like that with your players? Are you more of a kind of new generation McVay? You're a contemporary of theirs. I mean, what's the, what's the Sandrini coaching model? I, I like I like that eighties uh, early nineties approach of just shouting at them until they get it right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, look, my, my my players on my fantasy teams probably don't know that, but I'd like to think it makes sense. <laughs> okay, so that's a, a really interesting snapshot. And over the coming weeks, obviously, we're going to get you set for the season. And when we're up and running, we're going to talk a lot uh, about, in particular, um, the the daily format. Uh, and the redraft format, because you'll be up and running in in leagues for the latter. And, and obviously with daily, you can roll each week. So we're going to be giving you very specific tips and, and player steers. And at the uh, end of this show, James is going to be uh, giving you three players that he thinks are going to be breakthrough fantasy players this year. So uh, we'll get into the detail, the data and the steers uh, all in good time. But before any of that, you got a draft, right? And you mentioned that's one of your favorite parts of the whole process, uh, so let's drill down, I think, on this episode, our first FFS, into that a little bit more. And, and do's and don'ts. So what is, uh, what is the best way to approach a draft? If you are looking at X number of key things to consider to get your draft on point, what would your pro tips be? Yeah, look, I, we, we talked about what kind of coach am I, what kind of uh, fantasy manager am I. And for me, the area where I think I succeed the most that the edge that I have is around roster construction and mm. understanding where those gaps may be those opportunities in in scoring in formats and I, and I think that's where it has to start for everybody is think about what kind of squad am I building here you know how deep's the bench can I trade during the season are there going to be waivers when are the playoffs and therefore when do I want to avoid 
bye weeks. Uh, mm. You know, what areas in my in my team do I need to be really deep in because those players are going to be hard to acquire elsewhere. Uh, you know, I think that's where people need to start, and and it gets glossed over a lot because people just want to go and draft, and I get it. You know, and I'm the same. You just want to you want to get into the action. Who wants to read the um, the instructions before you start building a cabinet? But mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you can and you've got the time. Just start looking at that. And also think about when the draft date is and what kind of information is going to be available to you. I think that's really where, if we start talking about edges, which is really what fantasy is about over your competitors, that's where it starts for me. And, you know, some basic things like, uh, is it four points or six points for a touchdown throw from a quarterback? Mm. Dramatically shifts who you should be picking up in, you know, if it's super flex in that first or second round, if it's one QB, maybe down in the sort of seventh or eighth round, you know, that, that in of itself could dramatically shift the profile of your squad. And there's lots of little nuances like that. That's a really good point. So if you, if you start to drill down and uh, as uh, well as our show, although I'd like to think our show will be the definitive fantasy support, support that you need, obviously you'll be soaking up information elsewhere. And so the nuance of the, of, of the league and the structure of it might seem quite superficial, the difference, uh, you know, in terms of if it's a PPR, you know, points per reception or not, but that will significantly or, uh, uh at least um, fundamentally change the uh, the order and, and the pecking order and uh, of certain players that you want to be looking at. So the nuance is key, isn't it? The you got to look and deep dive uh, at the difference in rankings depending on the structure of your league and uh, and how plays and players are rewarded for what they're doing because. A player in one league could have, if not dramatically, then a significantly different return from one league to another. Yeah, exactly. You know, a couple of examples of that. So Tariq Cohen, uh, 2018, he had just over 400 yards on the ground. He was an RB1 in PPR leagues. Uh, we might never see him play again. Devastating leg injuries. It's really unfortunate. Think guys like Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, you know, they are great PPR players, but you might want DK Metcalf in a standard league because he's going to score you touchdowns and he's not maybe going to get as many plays thrown his way. But when he does get them, he's going to get the yard. So yeah, that makes a huge difference. I, you know, I think for everybody, the key is just to start particularly if you're short on time with expert analysis, you know, go on to the various sites you might be able to find and just see how players are listed and then try and pick out the areas where you disagree. You know, maybe you're good at watching film and you can notice when a player is in the ascendancy, you know, has a real opportunity in the year ahead. Maybe you're a data person and you're looking at vacated catches or opportunities in that offense. You know, maybe you, you understand the strategic side of the game and you can see how a QB change or a new offensive scheme, you know, could come in and shift the landscape there. So, you know, lots of different ways to win. And I think that's, what's really exciting about fantasy. It's a really broad church, right? Mm. Whatever, wherever your edge is, you can find a way to, to take that into how you construct your team. You know, I'm, you realize I'm drafting Jared Goff in the first round <laughs> on the back right. of that, right. uh, but on that. And so quarterbacks, obviously in most formats uh, are highly prized and, and typically looking at mock drafts kind of going into to this season, if not exclusively the first round as quarterbacks, then obviously the significant representation are, are quarterbacks, right? Is that consistent with, with any league that you're playing? So there are certain givens that uh, you, you draft a quarterback high and, and different people have different mindsets and theories and think, well, actually, let's get a player like Najee Harris early doors because otherwise that position is quite slim on the ground and I'm going to be struggling a little bit later on. Uh, and that, again, I guess goes down to your uh, point about how you want to play it and how and what your technique is. But are there certain uh, unequivocal factors to fantasy that are just uniformly adopted? You mentioned something there around, you know, do you go QB, do you go for a different position? And I think a starting point, we spoke about rosters 
uh, it is what's called positional scarcity. So mm-hmm. yes, in most leagues, a QB might be a high scoring player, but the fact is that the 12th or 24th highest scoring QB, and the reason I use 12 and 24 is your standard leagues have 12 teams in them. So, you know, QB1 versus QB2 versus QB3. The difference in scoring between those players tends to be relatively slim in, in many formats versus a RB1 to an RB2 or an RB3 even where you see these huge gulfs. So, you know, a key part of it is not just understanding who's going to score the most points, but where those drop-offs are. And I think mm. you know, a smart way to approach that is just to create some tiers of players where you feel really comfortable. So Najee is a good example. Is Najee this year that much better or worse than Eckler? Dalvin Cook, for example. Maybe yes, maybe no in your mind. But if not, then you can wait on who is going to get picked later Mm. in order to pick someone else who's in a higher tier in their position. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, What about kickers and defense? Because typically they go in the the deep waters at the late rounds along with kind of hipster rookie picks and sleeper picks. And often, I guess, much like like in the real draft and in real life, that you can win a championship or certainly build a contending roster as, as you know, Belichick is the, is the, the, the blueprint for with the, the, the late round picks. And, and that's where you find the edge, but putting the this hipster sleeper picks aside for a minute in terms of kickers and defenses. I mean, is there any, is there any particularly kickers, right? Is there any real strategy for, for drafting either of those or is it all mad? It, you know, it makes very little difference who you end up with. For me, as long as you pick them in the last two rounds, I'm happy. And the issue with defense and kicker is it is so volatile year to year. Like there have been units defensively that have been dominant for periods of time. But even then we're talking two or three years maximum, which with, you know, if we talk about quality receiver, quality tight end, quality running back, their careers are far longer. Um, so, so that's tough kicker, you know, as we know, I mean, this is a position where there's high turnover during the course of a season for many squads, like name your top five kickers. I'll wait. It's really hard to do. Those players do churn very quickly. What you do want to do on the kicker side is find high-scoring offenses. That's the connection. Don't think about teams that are going to be 40 yards out and therefore that guy's going to get a lot of field goals. That's a lottery. Think about teams like the Chargers this year who are going to score all the time. Take take the easy wins there. See, that's interesting. So you're looking at teams that are terrible in the red zone, for example. You shouldn't be looking then at, because they've got to settle for a chip shot field goal. That That is just too much... A, a, of a gamble you wouldn't look at a team like that there's not not enough edge there yeah it's a valid point I do think that if someone can predict which drives are going to stall amongst bad offensive teams at the 50 the 40 or the 30 essentially do they get into field goal range or not then you know you're probably wasted playing fantasy and you could do things far more impressive with your life um, <laughs> but you know there is some value in obviously picking kickers that have proven to be successful year after year you know Justin Tucker was the number one kicker for a long time in the NFL both in real life and in fantasy you know he might be the first pick of a kicker but you mentioned those you know rookie type players those those post type sleepers maybe whatever it is those are guys I think you want to take a, sh- a shot on more mm-hmm. than you do an elite kicker okay any other tips uh, off the bat for a draft and, and making sure you nail the draft yeah, look, I think there's a couple of things to, to bear in mind. You know, we see some trends like second year receiver, third year tight end, tight ends. They tend to be players that that break out. You know, if you can uh, build your roster down the draft order with players who are only an injury away from having a dominant fantasy season, I'm thinking handcuff running backs, for example. Then you give yourself a chance to really dominate. Uh, I think you need to have uh, review your own biases. You know, which team do you support? Which players do you love? Really try and be objective about which of those guys have a real opportunity or which ones you just fell in love with for whatever mm. reason. And, and then just keep up with the news, you know, injuries, suspensions, what's happening in minicamp preseason. 
you know, who's getting first team snaps at that point. All of those things can help build a picture for you. And what you're trying to do every day is just, is just learn a bit more. That is a really good point, actually. And I, I think that outside of the, and look, there are varying degrees of like in anything, a caliber of reporting and, and how much you buy into them, but there are certain beat writers out there I mean, Jeff Legwell, for example, who's been on this show is absolutely brilliant. I remember him talking uh, up the uh, the Broncos secondary a couple of seasons back when you think about uh, the young secondary, you think about all of the great uh, defenses he's seen in Denver over the years, and you start to pay attention to that, for example. And so whatever the equivalent is, if they're beat writers that you've got a lot of respect for that you know are watching day in, day out, and they've got, got a good broad, uh, often that's important, a good... Uh, a broad context to, to lean on and they're particularly keying in on a certain player. That's the, yeah, that's the kind of thing that could prove to be really, really significant and maybe kind of just take you away from, from the thundering herd in terms of uh, picking something that somebody else isn't necessarily thinking of, or what you could do is my approach to the draft, which is basically picking players that were great for five years ago <laughs> and uh, having a team of vets that uh, have seen better days but still could turn it on one last time. And I'm going to stick to that strategy this year, whatever you teach me, James, yeah, let me tell you that. You, know, right you, you raised two interesting points there. I think one, there's an exorbitant amount of information out there. You don't have to be the best at everything. You just need to be the person who can distill it well and realize what's fact, what's fiction, what's coach speak versus, as you said, a beat writer who's who's actually on the ground and seeing how a player is performing in minicamp. Is he earning the trust of the QB, for example? Like that makes a difference. You know, things that are happening in preseason, as much as the, the results don't matter, they, the the way in which players are used really does. Like, is he going out there with the first team offense? Like that is a significant identifier of someone who's going to have a role during the course of the season. And, and you mentioned the role of vets. Uh, you know, what you're aiming for here is upside. And it's very easy to fall in the trap of taking a player thinking, yeah, you know, I can get a week out of him in week 13. He's he's not a bad performer. But really what you need to be or hold yourself accountable is who are those players that are going to show demonstrably greater value during the course of the year than they may start with. And again, we mentioned, you know, handcuff, RBs, uh, you know, think about rookie players that come into the league that maybe don't have the, the profile today, but could be by the end of the year. Whatever format you're playing, those tend to be the league winners. Love that. Uh, I'm still drafting to Sean Jackson, just to be clear. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this episode with you giving us three breakthrough players of 2022. So, First, well, Sandrini's already given us uh, plenty of intel on show number one, but our first capsuled up a uh, bit of edge for you. And that is what, the 11th time we've used the word edge on the show? So there we go. That I think you're getting the idea of the direction that we're going with this. Three breakthrough players, gang, for 2022. Yeah, look, I think there's no lack of talented players in the league. What you're really trying to do in this exercise is, is and, and for people who are listening who, who want to do this exercise themselves, because, you know, there's far more than three guys that might break out, but where is their talent and when does it meet opportunity? So, you know, Brandon Ayuk is a great player, but he's number three in that system behind Debo and Kittle. They might throw the ball 25 times a game with with Lance. So love Brandon Ayuk, but I don't know if he's going to be a breakout player. Where's their opportunity? Are they moving up the pecking order in terms mm-hmm. of opportunities? Is this a team that's had a, a scheme change? You know, bad defense often helps offenses because they have to throw the ball more, at least in fantasy terms. Uh, a competitive schedule, you know, look at the AFC West this season. You know, every game there looks like it's going to be a shootout. Essentially, where can you find an opportunity that wasn't there previously? And, and, and three guys I really like going into the season. One is Kadarius Tony. Um, it's very hard to pick a Giants player considering what we've seen from them over the last couple of years. But <laughs> very hard. Yeah. If we think about Brian Dable going in there, Mike Kafka, who's coming in from KC as his offensive coordinator. Um, 
you know, I, I think of Daniel Jones as bootleg Josh Allen, right? In terms of how Dayball is going to treat him. Uh, mm. and that's probably as close as he's ever going to get to Allen. But in that case, Tony could be bootleg Steph Diggs. Uh, you know, mm. Diggs, Diggs is six foot 193. He runs a 4'4". Tony's six foot 191 runs a 4-4, same arm length, same injury histories, actually. You know, there's two, there's an interesting comp for me, and I think the way that Tony's going to be used, if he's on the field enough, dictates that there's real opportunity there. You know, how many rookies get, uh, he had seven games last year where he played 50-plus snaps, 50% or more snaps, that's it. But in four of those games, he had nine-plus targets. He had a game where he received 10 489. You know, I mean, that is not the kind of thing you see from rookies regularly. Mm. They haven't added to that receiving core outside of Wondell Robinson. Is Kenny Golladay going to be that much better? Sterling Shepard's coming off a torn Achilles. Again, we don't know what he's going to be like. There's no standout tight end. We're talking about rookies probably leading that team. They've added to the O-line. There's a lot I like there. He has to stay healthy. Um, they have added to the defense. Again, that might be something that we consider. He has to stay motivated. There's been concerns about that. But yeah, I love KT this year. Kadeiris love Smith. that. And Daddy Dimes is playing for his life. So he's going to be motivated. All right, good start. Who else? AJ Dillon. Mm-hmm. He's going outside of the first five rounds. Uh, I think by this time next year, we're talking about him as a as someone who would go in the first three. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is no wide receiver one in Green Bay. Uh, they're going to throw the ball to... Aaron Jones, plenty, but Aaron Jones' snap share year on year decreases, his efficiency decreases. And I think they're looking at Dylan as that work calls back. Uh, I, I certainly think we're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones. Don't, don't get me wrong. He might have 100 plus targets this year. But Dylan's role on the ground, I think, is going to increase from, from last year. You know, he can take the weight. He's 247 pounds. He's an incredible athlete. Look at the man's quads, terrifying. <laughs> he can have a three down role. You know, what happens if Aaron Jones gets injured? You know, that's an interesting conversation. Um, there's also, you know, we spoke about lack of wide receiver one. I don't even know who the tight end is going to be. Is Tonya going to be back week one? Deguara is an H back. Mercedes Lewis is basically a blocker at the stage in his career. That O-line does need to rebound, but Bakhtiari is coming back. And look, they still have Aaron Rodgers. And, and I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to find ways to win. He's a highly efficient quarterback. He's signed for three years. Like, I mean, unless the guy wants to get out halfway through the season, you know, he needs to make this work. And I, I actually think that... Uh, AJ Dillon's the guy we're not talking enough about when it comes to who's going to pick up the slack. Love that. You guarantee I'm going to be watching very closely where we are in our respective leagues. Uh, and I'm going to snack, uh, snatch AJ Dillon from you in round four <laughs> just to wind you up. Uh, love that pick. And it's, uh, I guess, a sleeper pick, really, if you're talking about that kind of round. Uh, high upside for AJ Dillon. Who's your number three? You mentioned the Saints before as a potential dark horse and Chris Alave, I think, is one of the reasons why. So rookie pick, I think, you know, a few years ago, you wouldn't have picked a wide receiver as someone who could break out in their first season because we just hadn't seen it an awful lot. But this guy's coming out as a senior from Ohio State. He's an Ohio State touchdown leader. Uh, you know, look back at last year or over the last few years, I guess, at, at contributors from year one and, you know, Jamar Chase, Jam, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Lamb, Higgins, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. You know, we've seen all these guys produce immediately. Mm. Look at the draft capital. Draft capital is as good an identifier of how much opportunity someone's going to get. And essentially the Saints traded, you know, one next year and half their picks this year to go get him. Um, they're in win now mode. You know, I think that's really clear from the moves that they've made. They still feel they have an opportunity. He's a really polished player. Uh, you know, we've, again, competition. We've just seen Michael Thomas uh, run in shorts, which is exciting for someone who's had him on their fantasy teams for the last few years. But, you know, he's not going to be the Michael Where Thomas. are his quads compared to AJ Dillon? Uh, <laughs> string bean, unfortunately for the man. Yeah. He's got work to do. You know, Kamara's going to miss, what, six games, we think, at this stage. Yeah. 
They've added Jarvis Landry, who I think is a value too. Like he's, he's an interesting player to pick up late. Mm. Uh, but again, beyond that, we're looking at the cast of characters we had last year. You know, Adam Troutman, Marquez Calloway, Tricon Smith, Deontay Harty. There's no one in there that's going to be taking looks away from, from Alave. Apparently he's had a great camp. He's yeah. quick. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing. that I did a bit of research on this one going in. Jameis Winston, this is terrifying, has the 17th highest yards per attempt in NFL history. He's ahead of guys like Tom Brady and, and Matt Ryan. Um, those numbers are low in New Orleans, but we know what he's like, you know, Jameis. Like he's the YOLO quarterback of his era. Uh, he's someone who could just chuck it up there. And while Alave is not a contested catch guy, he's not someone who's going to rip it away from a, a DB. He's certainly a deep threat and he goes in as deep threat day one. I think they're going to keep a lot of what they did with Sean Payton historically. Yeah. Carmichael has, has been there for what, 14, 15 years. Um, they were still good at, at scoring last year, despite a, a terrible offense overall. Uh, and they play a lot of teams where they need to score points this year. They play the Bucks, the Bengals, the Rams, the Raiders, the Cards, the Vikings, the Eagles. I, I, I Shoot think down central, yeah. That's a good yeah, point. Exactly. Exactly. Love that. You know what I love most about it, James Andrew? Uh, you've done some research, which is is new for this show, to be <laughs> to be frank. And I hope Propo is taking notes uh, as uh, he listens to that. And indeed, as all our listeners all around the globe, because hell, we were listening to that the other day. I'm looking at it the other day. We're getting uh, we're getting listeners. Finland is getting re- we're getting representation in Finland. I mean, there's a hundred hundred plus countries listening to the show right now. James Sandry. So you've li- you've gone global in the last 60 minutes, my friend. I'm flat. I feel like I should give a few bonuses. Some other players I like. What do you think? Oh, go on. Stick it through. Stick it through. Yeah. Let's do it. A few rookies. So Rashad White, who's coming as Tampa Bay, he's number two. Uh, he's a pass catcher out of Arizona State. He's a senior. You know, we know Brady doesn't trust rookies generally, but I think he's going to like White. And I think there's opportunity there. Fournette hasn't been highly efficient, uh, mm. or at least wasn't last season. Uh, you know, he's 27 years of age at this stage. Jalen Tolbert coming into Dallas. He comes from South Alabama, you know, again, a rookie, a senior. He's probably the number two going into the start of the season. They don't have Gallup uh, going in. James Washington's there, but again, you know, maybe he doesn't profile as what they want on the outside. He's not as physical. So Tolbert's interesting. KJ Osborne, Russell Gage, you know, receivers that could take on major roles in their offenses. Uh, we don't know how much more Adam Thielen is going to be. KJ Osborne sits behind him. Russell Gage is there with Tom Brady as his number two. That's never a bad look. Again, <laughs> we don't know how much Godwin we're going to see. Rashad Bateman, Michael Pittman, those are guys I think everybody loves at this stage, no question. And then the final one is, is Albert O uh, in, in Denver. He's got a lot of competition. You know, that offense, we need to see how they're going to build it. They say they're going to build it around what Russ likes to do. In theory, that wouldn't include the tight end because he doesn't love the thrower of the middle. He likes to go deep. But Albert O is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. You know, we're talking about someone that runs 4-4 at 6, whatever. You know, he, he's a, an absolute animal there. So he's he the kind of guy that could go down the seam, uh, potentially. I, I could see him having a big year. Love that. Love that. Brilliant work uh, on your debut performance, James Sandrini. I can guarantee you, gang, there is plenty more where that came from because this is just the start of a beautiful thing. The start of FFS, we're going to be dropping, well, let's call it regularly through the rest of the offseason, obviously getting you set for uh, your respective drafts. So uh, don't worry, there are going to be episodes really drilling down into position, rankings, where to go, what to do, more sleeper picks, more left field picks from James. Uh, You will be absolutely top of the class, front and center 
in your respective leagues if you keep it tuned to FFS. And then every week through the season, we're going to be rolling all kinds of tinkering and weeding and dealing you need to do. And of course, the small matter of daily fantasy, along with our friends DraftKings. As I said earlier on in the show, two or three times, I think we're dropping a listener league. You can play each and every week. Propo is on the case setting that up. We're going to be releasing information about how you join that listener league ever so soon to keep your eyes and ears peeled at the NC Show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok. We're back next week uh, with the brilliant Ben Isaacs back in the house. And we've got some other very special guests coming away very soon. So keep it locked in right here on the Nat Coombe Show. James, you deserve a glass of the good stuff after that, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nat. Enjoy it. Look after yourself. You will hear from James very soon. We'll be back next week. Look after yourself, gang. Wipe it out. Podcast Network.